Well, take your Bible tonight. Let's get back to our series in 1 John, if you would please. 1 John in chapter number 5. We are, uh, I'm estimating two sermons tonight. And <laughs> you're doubting me. Uh, tonight and uh, next Wednesday night to finish out uh, 1 John. And then, then most likely we'll, uh, we'll do some preaching in 2 and 3 John. So I guess in that sense it continues, but the letter of 1 John coming to a conclusion. Honestly, there's probably three sermons in here, but we're going to see what we can do in two. How's that? Is that fair enough? Is that fair enough to say it that way? All right. So 1 John chapter 5, and um, it's been about uh, two weeks. Well, it's gone two Wednesday nights, so it's been three weeks that we've been in uh, 1 John. And uh, so I'm looking forward to getting back into the series here. So let's look at it. And uh, verse number 14 is where we're going to start. Our text is going to be verse 16. Uh, through 19. So there's definitely going to be some overlap um, from this Wednesday night and next. And uh, next Wednesday night, we'll really just focus on, not, on 20 and 21, okay, with the help of 18 and 19, all right, both times, tonight and next week. Is that all right? We good? All right, good. Not that I needed a vote of confidence there necessarily, just, but I don't mind it. I'm glad for it, for sure. So, all right, let's look at it here together. Verse number 14 says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything, how about that? Here's the qualifier. According to his will, he heareth us. And we know, if we know that he heareth, hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we had the petitions that we desired of him. Now, how, how many of you confess tonight that, that as a whole, we don't pray with that kind of confidence? Is that right? But it's here, isn't it? That if we ask anything, uh, now, I don't mean you ask for a Corvette and you get it. According to his will, right? If we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. All right, so then that idea really does continue into verse 16. Watch this. If any man see his brother sin, if any man see his brother sin, a sin which is not unto death, he shall what? Ask. What is that talking about? Prayer. He shall pray. He shall ask. All right, now let's... Keep following along here. I'm going I'm to try to read rather slowly, maybe interact just a little bit. All right, let me start over. Verse 16. If any man see his brother's sin, a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. Am I still following along right here? All right, I'm going to be honest with you. This is not an easy passage. All right, hurt my brain today. <laughs> going to hurt your brain tonight, right? No, we need to think about it. It's a, it's a great passage. It, obviously, it is. It's in the Word of God. We need it. All right, there is a sin, he says, unto death. There is a sin unto death. And then notice what he says here. I do not say that he shall what? Pray for it. Now, that's strange words right there, right? To our ears. You know, I think that... Um, I think John's hearers, the recipients of this letter, would have instantly knew what he was talking about because they were in the context of it. 
we're far removed from it, so it's a little bit more challenging for us. Okay, so that means it's got to hurt our brain a little bit. All right, let me read verse 16 again. Intentionally here, I'm not just filling time. I'm, I'm wanting you to, I've thought about it a good while, and now it's your turn. All right? If any man see his brother sin, have you seen a brother sin? Oh, yeah. All right. If any man see his brother sin, a sin, which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. All unrighteousness is sin. Everybody get that? All unrighteousness is sin. There is a sin not unto death. He says a second time. We know, all right, look at 18, 19, 20. We know, we know, we know. He concludes this letter with what we know. Isn't that good? And we know. And we know, rather, verse 18. We know that whatsoever is born of God, what? Sinneth not. I haven't sinned in 16 years, okay? You're lying. You're lying. Because you've driven here in Oklahoma too. Right? Right? So that's not what he's saying. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. Now we need to explain that. Actually just revisit that. He's already explained it in chapter 3 if you were here in the series, but I want to be sure to explain it tonight. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and watch this, and that wicked one toucheth him not. Well, that's a blessing. All right, let's read that verse again. And we know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one, obviously reference to Satan here, that wicked one toucheth him not. And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. Only two categories. There, there's, not a, there's not a third option here tonight. You're either of God or you're lying in wickedness. And if you're lying in wickedness, then God can save you out. Okay. So you're in one of two categories. There's only, there's only two classes of people, saved and lost. I remember uh, going through the Titanic Museum in Branson and they give you even somebody's profile and you're that individual. There's first class, second class, third class. But by the end of that voyage, there was only two classes, saved and lost. Same way in life. All right, let's read that verse one more time. Verse 19, and we know that we are of God. And that's by grace, right? We are of God and the whole world, that'd be the lost world, the whole world lieth, it's under the control of, under the power of, lieth in wickedness. All right, so let me go back to verse 16. Have I got you standing too long? Okay, anybody about to faint? You can sit down if you are, but let's read one more. Let's read that verse one more time here, okay, would you? If any man see his brother's sin, we need to know what to do about that, right? If any man see his brother's sin, a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. So tonight, the title of the message here is this, a brother in sin needs a brother in prayer. 
A brother in sin needs, needs, I emphasize, a brother in sin or sister. I'm just going with the text. All right. Not that sisters don't sin. They do. But we're here to talk about the brothers. <laughs> right? No, all. I think you get it. A brother in sin needs a brother in prayer. A brother in sin needs, needs a brother in prayer. The place of prayer in the process of restoration. That's the idea that I hope to try to get across here tonight. I thought about calling it, get off Facebook and get on your face. Huh? How'd that be? Would that be too, would that, would that work or that work? That'll preach. Get off Facebook and get on your face and pray for that brother. Pray for that sister. How's that? That'll work, won't it? I kind of like that one. I'm going to, I'm going to go with that one now. So I'm going to check that one. Get off Facebook and get on your face. All right, may God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. <clears throat> you know, truly, it is just a matter of time till you either hear about or you see or you are the brother in sin. You know, really, it is that way. It's, it's only a matter of time. Just as sure, just as sure as it's going to rain again, just as sure as it's, there's going to be a tornado again sometime. And oh, come on now. I mean, it's just, it's inevitable, isn't it? And um, if you're in church long enough, uh, you're, you're going you're gonna to hear about, man, that, that, that person, man, they messed up. They messed up. Um. There's no place exempt from that because we're all sinners. You know, I wish that after we were saved that, boom, we were just sinless. But no, that's not it. I mean, you, even, a, even a saved people are going to sin. And so you're going to hear about that. You're going to hear about that in church. And it can really be disillusioning. You know, I mean, you hear it can be a pastor that falls, a deacon that falls, a Sunday school teacher that falls, a Bible college student that, that gets dismissed because of sin. He or she get, get dismissed. A, a Bible college president, a Bible college professor, a, a Christian school teacher. A, a, I mean, a, it, the list goes on and on. A longtime member. I mean, it's just, it really is sad. And, and, and certainly, uh, it's, we need to know how to respond. We don't have a good track record. I say we in general terms, uh, collectively, I mean, sometimes we've kind of been known for shooting our wounded, you know, kicking those that are down. They should have knew better and, and uh, all those, that kind of attitude. Well, uh, a lot of verses in the Bible speak to us about this. Uh, one of my favorites is in Galatians. Galatians 6, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And then a little bit later on, he says, every man ought to bear his own burden. So you say, okay, well, which is it? Well, verse 2 is a burden that's too heavy for somebody to carry alone. Verse 5 is like a backpack. Everybody ought to carry their own backpack. Come on, you got to carry your own backpack. We can't help you with your backpack. But if you got a big burden, like when it's time to move this, this, uh, this pulpit or move a piano, then you get a lot of people around it. Let, let me say something to you here just up front. There's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, times when a, a brother or a sister, a brother, and if 
a man be overtaken in a fault, overtaken in a fault doesn't just mean that, that they're like uh, overwhelmed by that sin, though that's certainly an idea of it. But overtaken means this. If you find out somebody has sinned in the church, then you which are spiritual, and that's in chapter number six, but chapter number five talks about the fruit of the spirit, which is love and joy and peace and all the fruit of the spirit. So you which are spiritual is talking about those that are walking in the spirit then if you're walking in the spirit, then you need to care about somebody that's down and don't kick them when they're down. Don't talk about them on Facebook when they're down. Don't, don't broadcast everywhere what they've done. But here's what you ought to do in Galatians 5. I'm, I'm sorry, Galatians number 6. It says, bear one another's burdens. In other words, there are some, what I like to call some intensive care type situations in a church. You know, in a hospital, and I make plenty of hospital visits, and maybe you've made many as well, but on a general floor, you know, you might be, I don't know that I've got my numbers right here, but an RN could help me, but, but you've got maybe one nurse per eight to 10 uh, patients on a regular floor. That's my guesstimation. All right, guesstimation, is that a word? That's uh, my guess, but, um, but in an intensive care unit, it's, like, it's one, one uh, nurse for one to two patients, depending on the nature of that. It's an intensive care. I think there are some situations that come up in our church life where that situation is an intensive care situation. In fact, I might say it this way tonight. I thought about starting this way, an intensive prayer unit. This is an intensive prayer unit type situation. If a brother or a sister is taken in a fault, if we find out, you know, that somebody is taken in a fault and some, by the way, some of you are, some of you, well, actually all of us are here tonight because somebody cared. Somebody prayed for you. Somebody prayed that you might be saved. Somebody prayed for you when you were wayward. Somebody prayed for you when you were rebellious. Somebody prayed for you when you, when you made a terrible decision. Thank God, thank God that somebody prayed you back into church. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank the Lord for that. My soul. Where would we be without praying mamas and daddies and grandparents and praying members of a church? And, and I was just thinking about it. You know, there's some, though, that I could tell you about that, that it, maybe it was some vice in their life and they just weren't getting victory over it. And we, we would maybe meet with them and maybe I'd even talk to the, to the deacons about it, servants of the church. And I'd say, okay, you contact this individual this day, you on this day. And the church staff gets involved and other, other believers get involved that maybe have a contact. I can think about people that are in church right now because people care enough to go in an intensive care type unit with them. Are you following me here? So brothers are going to sin. Sisters are going to sin. Now, this is not the message, but don't let that get you out of church. They'll say, well, there are a bunch of hypocrites down there. There's hypocrites everywhere. There is. But you're going to go to the OU Texas game this weekend. There'll be a bunch of hypocrites there. Okay. All right. I'm not going to preach on that, but I'm just saying there are, there are hypocrites everywhere. There are hypocrites here tonight. I mean, none of us are proud of that, but every one of us struggle along the way. So here's, here's what I think we need to do is just take heed to what the word of God is saying here to us. And it says right here in the word of God that if any man see his brother's sin. So the idea is you're going to see, you're going to see it happen. It's, it's inevitable, but that it's going to be, you're going to be made known of that. Here's the, here's the real question. How are you going to respond when you do see that? One man said this, John does not say, if anyone sees his brother sinning, go tell his pastor, so, go tell the pastor so he can deal with it. 
Now, I'm not, I'm not against that. I want to know. I want to try to be a help. But it doesn't say that. It says, if any man see his brother sin, then pray. Amen. Nor does it say, he says, uh, nor does it say, if anyone see his brother sinning, call up all your friends and tell them about it so they can pray. That's a cover for gossip. Hey, look, it's just a prayer request. Huh? Man, did you hear what? That's not a prayer request. Not the way you're approaching it right there. Nor does he say, if his brother is sinning, he shakes his head in disgust and says, how could he do such a thing? You know, I think we're guilty of totaling out too many believers when God's not done with them. You know, sometimes cars get totaled and you think, what? That's totaled. No, I get it. I understand when some cars are totaled, right? And I get it that some cars should have been totaled. But a lot of times I think some cars get totaled that could be repaired and some do repair them. Hey, we got somebody in heaven, in fact, our Savior, who's been known to repair some lives here tonight. And so listen, don't total out somebody and don't say, well, God must be done with them. Listen, we don't have any way of knowing. So here's what we ought to be. Our default ought to be this. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to pray that God might help them. And so it is God's will for those who are in his will to pray for those who are not. Okay, it's God's will. Let me run that by you one more time. It is God's will for those who are in his will to pray for those who are not. Hey, if you're in God's will tonight, you ought to thank God in heaven because it's only by the grace of good, the good grace of God that you're even anywhere near his will. Yeah. For but by the grace of God, you'd be a sinner that's out of church and your life would be messed up. And thank God that he saved you. And so if you're a sinner, I'm sorry, if you're a, a saved sinner that's in his will and you know somebody that's not, then pray for him. It is God's will for believers who are in his will to pray for believers who are not in his will. So let me ask you this here before we start walking, walking through the verses here together. Which side of this are you on? Are you on the side of being in a right relationship with God or are you on the side of maybe you're the one that needs prayer? You're on one side of that really at every time and I think we kind of vacillate between the two, don't you? Okay, so in verse 14 and 15, John is emphasizing the confidence that we can have because he says, when a believer prays in the will of God, then the child of God praying in the will of God sees God doing great mighty things. When we pray, we don't move God's will into our will, but we pray ourselves from our will into his will. Like we said last week, uh, as the quote is, that if you throw out a boat hook and you catch the sore, shore, sorry, and you pull, do you pull the shore to you or do you pull yourself to the shore? Well, obviously you're not, you're not stretching property here, friend. We're not stretching property. No, when we pray, it's not that I'm praying God onto my will, but I'm pulling myself onto his will. Okay. So if, if we have that, we have, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And we know that if he hears, we have the petitions whatsoever we ask of him. If any man see his brother sin. Okay. So he just keeps rolling right into that. And so he's talking now, not just about your needs and your situation, but listen to this. When God does a work in you, that ought to cause you to be concerned about others. And if we pray for others and their physical needs, should we not pray for them and their spiritual needs? So if you see 
Obviously, John is saying here that a brother is going to sin. We've already established that. And in fact, all you got to do is just go back to chapter one, where he says, if any man say that he doesn't sin, that he's deceiving himself and the truth's not in him. So believers are going to sin. Brethren, these things write unto you that you sin not. But if any man sin, and that's about a believer, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Praise God. Praise God. It is a brother. Okay. Now, let's, let's get into it here tonight. If any man see his brother. Okay, now, you, you, can't, you can't see it otherwise. I read a few here today as I was just trying to research this. And, and um, one prominent writer actually believes that both of these people are lost and both of them need salvation. Okay. The reason is, I mean, it's a complicated passage. Can I point out the things that are complicated? Would that discourage you from listening to the rest of the message or would it help you to listen to the rest of the message? Okay, thank you. All right. Okay, here's things that are complicated. You ready? Let's just get the hard stuff up front. You ready? Here we go. Look, if any man see a brother, okay, what's a sin unto death and what's not a sin unto death? That's a good question. What's a sin unto death and what's not a sin unto death? Okay, so what kind of death are you talking about? You're talking about physical death or spiritual death? Okay, which one? Do you understand? You got that question? Okay, then when it says in verse 16, and he, okay, so you pray, he shall ask, and he shall give him life. Okay, who's that he? Who? Who, who's that he? Is that the one praying? That would be the closest antecedent when it says, he shall ask the pray, the person that saw them, if any man see his brother's sin, he shall ask and he shall give him life. Well, can we give somebody life? So I think that was pretty easy to answer. It's not that we give somebody life. Who gives somebody life? God, God gives them life. Christ gives them life, okay? So then he says life. So what kind of life is that? In the context of this, it's eternal life. In the context of it, in terms of what's been mentioned just before, uh, he that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son hath not life, right? This is that life that he gives us eternal life. So is that what he's talking about there? But go back. <laughs> is anybody following me right here? Go back to the first verse. If any man see his brother sin. So does that mean he lost his salvation and somebody's got to pray him back in? No. So that can't be eternal life that he's going to receive there because he is a brother. Unless it's just a pseudo brother. Okay, a pseudo brother. And that's what one prominent writer, I'm not going to name his name. You can figure it out yourself if you want to. But anyways, he said that this must be a lost person because God's given them life. And what he's going off of, I mean, there's some, there, I can understand why he's coming to that conclusion. I mean, come on now, there's some tough verses in the Bible. Anybody else there found that? I feel, I find great consolation when I read after Peter and he says, you know, Paul wrote some things that were really difficult to understand. <laughs> I'm just really glad that Peter said, I don't get all of it, he wrote. Man, that feels good. All right. So this is not an easy one. But he says he shall give him life. God shall give him life. So this individual has come to the conclusion then, this must be in reference to those that are not truly born again and they need to be born again. They pose as though they are. Maybe they made a false profession, but they're not really saved because they're in sin. I can't go with it. Personally, I just can't go with it because it says if a man see his brother. Okay, so I'm just going by the word of God. I think I'm on solid ground right there. All right. So anyways, but I, I, I would not, I would not be, yes. Anyways, we'll move on. Okay, here we go. Give him life. There's another complicated thing. So what is this sin unto death? What is this sin not unto death? That's certainly in there. Why does he say don't pray for that? I mean, that's complicated too, isn't it? All right. And then verse number 17, uh, that was pretty clear. We're good. 
Uh, verse number 18, what does it mean? Okay, he doesn't sin. Well, we've already dealt with that, so that one's not too troubling. And then it says, he that is but gotten of God keepeth himself. What does that mean? How do we keep ourselves? Okay, doesn't Christ keep us? Yes. Do you have responsibility in this? Yes. So what does it mean? Yes. <laughs> Sorry. All right. The wicked one toucheth him not. What does that mean? And that's not too complicated either. And then the whole world lieth in wickedness. Okay, so, all right, I, I think, look, I'll be honest with you. Um, I don't believe that we're gonna solve all these issues here tonight. These have been long time debated and I, I'm not here now. I've, I've come to some conclusions on it and you're gonna have to study it out for yourself and come to conclusions, no doubt as well. You always should, you always should. But here's what I think we all can agree on is this, that a brother in sin needs a brother in prayer. And that's the main thing he's getting across here is that you know somebody that's in sin. And listen, you need to mobilize and pray for that brother. Pray for that sister. In fact, I wonder tonight, and here's what's heartbreaking about this. I wonder tonight how many people are no longer in church because nobody really took the time to really intensely pray for them. That was convicting. That was convicting. We might be inclined to talk about it. We might be inclined to, to, uh, to gossip about it. We might be inclined to write about it. We might be inclined to preach about them. But are we inclined to pray for them? That's really what John is driving home here. Listen, you know somebody that's in sin. Pray for them. Pray that they might be restored. Okay. All right. So the sin unto death and the sin not unto death. All right. What, what does that mean? Sin unto death, sin not unto death. So let's go back to verse 16. Is everybody still with me right here? This is not easy preaching. This is just, we're going to put the plow on the ground and turn soil. All right. If any man see his brother's sin, a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not pray, say that he shall pray for it. Okay. So um, I'm not of the persuasion that he's talking about spiritual death here. Okay, because, because a believer cannot, a true genuine believer cannot be unborn from God's family. You are passed from death. Let's establish a few things here tonight. I think this will help everybody that's here and maybe even somebody that's not saved could hear the gospel through this, that when you're saved, and the reason that you need to be saved is because you're a sinner. And the way that you can be saved is that he's a savior. And he came and died on a cross for your sins and for my sins and for the sins of the whole world. And he's the wrath removing sacrifice. He's the propitiation for our sins, not for our sins only, for the sins of the whole world. He tasted death for every man. Contrary to what the Calvinists say, that he tasted death for the elect. No, the Bible says that he tasted death for every man. Every man in Greek means every man. Every man in English means every man. Every man in Spanish means every man. Come on now, it just means every man. He tasted death for you that you might be saved. And when you are saved, the Bible says that you are passed from death unto life. In this very text, it talks about those that are begotten of God. The tense of that verb, begotten of God, is the perfect tense, which means this. It's an action that is completed in the past that has ongoing results. In other words, there's never a time, thank God, there's never a time when you're gonna lose your salvation. 
If you are begotten of God, you were not begotten of yourself. You were not begotten of some priest, not begotten of some church, not begotten or born again by some baptismal regeneration. No, you were regenerated by the Spirit of God and he puts you in God's family. You are in Christ and you'll never be out. That's a blessing because we're going to sin. And we're going to know brothers and sisters that sin. And so when they do sin and they're generally a believer, then we can pray, God, would you restore them? Would you get them back? Because here's that life aspect. Obviously, it doesn't mean he's a brother, so he's not going to get eternal life again. He can't, you can't get even more eternal than he's eternal. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't thought about that until just like right now. You can't get any more eternal than eternal. Eternal's eternal. So what does it mean life? Well, two possibilities here, and I think two kind of work hand in hand. It would be this, that Jesus came to give us life that we might have it more abundantly. And a believer that's living in sin is not living the abundant life. If your life is characterized by rebellion and, and stubbornness and, and doubt and fear and all the sins of the flesh, hey, listen, you're not living the life that God wants to give you. Not just eternal life, but abundant life. I think that certainly plays into this. But also, I think you have the aspect of a physical death. Because the next part of the verse says that there is a sin unto death. In fact, this really comes at a good time. Because we just studied about Uzzah on Sunday night. As he put forth his hand and he touched that ark and he dropped down dead. We could go back further and we could read about Nadab and Abihu who offered up strange fire. We can read about Hophni and Phinehas who, who um, uh, they used the ark for their own purposes and they died. There was a sin unto death. They crossed the line. I think about Korah. If I ever do a, a, a flannel graph lesson, I've told you this before, but I, someday I'm gonna preach on Korah and I'm gonna do a flannel graph. You know what a flannel graph is? That's old school. Flannel graph and, and, you know, you put the little stick figures on there and, and, and I'm, I'm going to do one with Korah and have a little hole where they were rebellious and they sinned against God and then the earth opened up and pfft, there goes Korah. He crossed the line. There's a sin unto death. It's an early time home. Hey, listen, if you're his child tonight, he chastens you because of sin. He chastens you in love to bring you back into fellowship with him, see? Okay? Now, if you're not his, he's not chasing you. But if you are his, he loves you and chastens you for your sin. And he chastens you and he chastens you and he's trying to get your attention. But listen, don't think that this sin unto death is just Old Testament stuff. Does everybody listen to me right here tonight? We need to take heed to this and have fear of God in our lives because this is not just, this is not just Old Testament stuff. This is Ananias and Sapphira type stuff. That is, they lied to God. They lied to the Holy Ghost. Then they dropped dead. This is 1 Corinthians 11 type stuff where they weren't observing the Lord's Supper in a proper way and some of them were sick and some of them were weak and some of them were asleep, which means they didn't go to sleep in the service. It means this, they died. There is a sin unto death. And I think John is acknowledging here, listen, when a brother or sister is in sin, then you need to pray because there are many sins that are not unto death. Listen, don't try to think, well, I wonder which one is not unto death and I'd like to get a bunch of that sin. That's why verse 17 is in there for everybody that tries to find a loophole in the word of God. He says, all unrighteousness is sin. It's wickedness. Don't, don't do that. He said, well, if you commit murder, you're done. You lost your salvation. You, you're not saved. Uh, Paul was a murderer, but he was saved. 
Well, an adulterer, adulterer, you do an adultery. Man, you're, you're dead. You're dead. Uh, David lived. David's in heaven tonight. So that, that doesn't work there. But listen, I'm just simply warning every one of us that we need to take heed to the word of God because there is a sin unto death. And John, John's simply saying this, some people, and maybe he does, this is really complicated right here. Maybe he does deal with those that are cessationists. In other words, those that left the church because they never were really saved. And he's saying, listen, they've crossed the line here and they've been so willful, so rebellious against God that now there's no hope of them being saved. Now listen, let me, let me say this to you right here. If you've got air going in your nostrils, you've got an opportunity to be saved here tonight. You're not too far gone. You're not beyond what the grace of God can save. Because if he can save a sinner like Paul, if he can save homosexuals that were living there in Corinth, and such were some of you, and he snatched them out of that world, and he put them up their life on a solid rock, then listen, friend, he can save your soul. Yes, he can. And, and even if you are a believer and you get away from him, then he can restore you. He's not done with you. But if you keep thumbing your nose at him and saying, well, I'm done with him. I'm done with him. I don't want any more of this. Now you're here on a Wednesday night and I don't know that anybody here would be in that situation, but it could be. Could be somebody's headed that way. Those that are sinning in death, they didn't get there all in one step. They took incremental steps along the way. Maybe because people weren't praying for them like they should have been. Hang on now. I got to keep the emphasis of this application on us. Just making sense or do I need to start all the way over again? No, you want to go home? <laughs> hey, there's a sin unto death. We better take heed to it. And, and John is saying, listen, when, the main thing he's getting across. And again, I, I, may, I may not be satisfying every here, everybody here tonight. And this is complicated stuff. And there are times I'm going to say, even as your pastor, I'm not 100% sure. And this is one of those times. I'm not, I'm not going to be too dogmatic on it. But I know what is clear. A sinner, a, a believer rather, a brother in sin, it needs a brother in prayer. That's for sure. Because all unrighteousness is sin. All unrighteousness, it says in verse 17, is sin. And there is a sin not under death. In other words, he's saying, listen, there's hope. Some gave testimony, even in our new members class, that they were away from God, but somebody cared, somebody prayed, and they are back in. Some of you here tonight, I know your testimony. You'd say the same thing. Man, I wouldn't be here had a mom not prayed for me. I wouldn't be here. No, I'm here tonight because a mama prayed for me. I thank God for that. And, and others are like that too. And a mom or a dad that prayed for you or you got out of, out of sorts with God. Hey, don't, don't think that you can't get out of sorts with God. Every one of us can get out of sorts with God. Isn't that right? Every one of us can get out of sorts with God. Doesn't matter how long you've been in church or, or who your parents are, or if your dad's a deacon. It doesn't matter. You can get out of sorts with God. You can get sideways with God just like anybody else can. But somebody cares about your soul. Somebody cares about your life. Somebody cares about you enough to pray for you and to pray that God might help you stay in church, stay where you need to be. Listen now. All unrighteousness is sin. And there's a sin not unto death. And then, then this next part here, look at it. Uh, we know that whatsoever, whosoever is born of God sinneth not. Okay, that's not sinless perfection. He's still working on the same thing. He's saying, look, look, look no, he's saying, look. <laughs> he's saying, listen. Uh, that's, I, that's what you get when you say look and listen together. Okay, you got looking. Okay, listen. <laughs> He's saying, look, I'm talking about somebody that lives habitually in sin. But somebody that is born of God, they don't live habitually in sin because de God deals with them. Remember the story I told you way back, this was like college days back in March. And it's about Charles Spurgeon, how he, is, he invited this man over to his house that believed in sinless perfection. And he told Mr. Spurgeon that he hadn't sinned in like 10 or 12 years. 
And Mr. Spurgeon took his glass of water and threw it in his face. And the guy got upset and angry and cursed. And he said, see, the old man in you is not dead. He just fainted and I brought him back. <laughs> so we're going to sin. But we're not, if you're a believer, there ought to be something different about your life. God ought to be the very center of your life. And he ought to be orienting your life. And so that's what John is dealing with. But he that is begotten of God, God keepeth himself. In other words, here's what he's saying. He's saying this. He's saying, listen, you, you have responsibility spiritually before God. You're been, you've been born again of him. And so you need to take heed to yourself. Just like Jude says in Jude 21, verse 21, it says, keep yourselves in the love of God. That doesn't mean that you keep God in love with you. You don't have to do that. Okay, let me say this to you. All right, you ready? God loves you. Period. It doesn't change. All right, let me say this. You love God. Yes. Amen. Let me try that again, okay? You love God. Amen. If I say that tomorrow in the heat of traffic, what are you going to say? Amen. But oh me. I thought, man, somebody's going to be able to apply this message tonight because I was having a hard time getting my umbrella to open up. And I thought, somebody's going to see a man sin. It's going to be their pastor. I forgot it's got two straps. It's a really big umbrella. I mean, you can like have a tent revival under there. <laughs> and I was pushing the button. I'm like, What's going on with this crazy thing? And you know, I mean, we, there's no way for the rain not to come in when you got the door open just a little bit, you know, it's like, <sighs> I had a strap on the top and then I stopped sinning. <laughs> hey, look, God's love for you doesn't change, but your love for God all over the place. But if you keep yourself, the idea here is that, listen, you've got responsibility. He's keeping you. No, we, we can say this with the great assurance that we are kept. First Peter chapter one, verse number five, we are kept by the power of God unto salvation. Most definitely for sure. But we also have responsibility to keep thine own heart, keep thy heart with all diligence. And so many other verses that are in the word of God that talk about the responsibility that we have as believers to keep ourselves. And then he says in verse, verse number 18, and that the wicked one toucheth him not. He can't get to you. Hey, let me, let me start with the basic part. A true believer cannot be demon possessed. Holy Spirit of God cannot coincide with the demonic being. It doesn't work that way. No. But thank God tonight, the wicked one cannot get to you. And you say, well, what about Job? God allowed that, that Job might be tested. And along the way, I think God allows much to come our way that we might be tested as well. But the wicked one can't touch you. If you're saved, you're saved forever. He can't get to you. Praise his holy name. In other words, I think what he's doing right here in this verse, he's saying, listen, here's why you can pray. Because people that are truly born again, there's hope. There's hope. Unless they've crossed the line where God's going to take them home early. There's hope. So mom, keep praying. So dad, keep praying. So grandparents, keep praying. Cousins, keep praying and, and so forth. Keep praying. Members of this church, keep praying. 
We know some people. I had thought about some today as I'm working on this. Man, I hadn't, hadn't thought about them, hadn't seen them in a good while. You got people like that? Do you know a brother in sin? They need a brother in prayer. You know a sister in, you know a sister in sin? They need a sister in prayer. Do you know a church member or church members in sin? They need church members in prayer. And thus, verse 19, and we know that we are of God and the whole world lieth in wickedness. The idea there, even in lying and wickedness, is that they're not even really, they're, they're in a struggle, but they don't even realize just in what danger they are. They lie in wickedness. Uh, in fact, there's possibility even here, the idea is that they're lying in the hands of the wicked one. But it's wickedness here. It's an adjective. They lie on the hands of wickedness. Well, certainly we know that the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine unto them. But thank God tonight we're saved. And thus we need to be diligent in soul winning, but we also need to be diligent in reconciliation, restoring other believers. So how does this apply? Well, if a brother see if a man see a brother in sin. So part of that would be this. We can't look the other way. Am I my brother's keeper? That's already been tried. It didn't fly. It didn't fly. If you see, you're obligated now to pray. You may say, well, I, I don't even, I don't have it in me even to pray. I understand that. Talk to God about that and let God help you. Ask somebody else pray for you so you can pray for them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sweet, you got that. Thank you. That's good. <laughs> Man, we, we have a struggle because, you know, sometimes, I mean, especially if it's somebody that's hurt you or disappointed you, it's hard to pray for them. Isn't that right? Is he a brother? Is she a sister? Then here's what the text says to do. Pray. Didn't Jesus say, pray even for your enemies? Well, if he said, pray for your enemies, shouldn't it stand to reason that we'd pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ, even who've messed up royally? Don't, aren't you glad somebody prayed for you? What if you were in the same situation? Wouldn't you want somebody else to pray for you? So if you see a man that's, or if, a, if you as a man or a woman see, or a boy or a girl, you see a, a brother sin, then, then pray. Pray, pray fervently. Ask God that God might, Help get them back into the spiritual walk with him. Restore them. Oh, man. And then, and then work on them. And the text is not saying, okay, you've done your duty right there. You prayed for them. You're done. No, there's other texts that come along with that to say, okay, now go to them. But how about we do this? Start right there. Start with prayer. Okay. I'm, I'm going to use their official title one more time. Get off Facebook and get on your face. Get off Facebook and get on your face before God and say, God, I can, I'm concerned about my brother and sister in Christ. Would you help them? Now, a word to those that might be the recipient of somebody's prayer tonight because you're the one that's sinning against God. Don't fight against God. Don't fight against the one that's trying to help you. You're only going to make things worse. 
You're only going to make it worse. Um, Billy Copes and I came across years ago, I imagine you'd remember this, we came across that broodmare, that horse that was down in, in barbed wire. She was all tangled up. And we were endeavoring to help her. But the more she was fighting, which I mean, that's natural, isn't it? It really is. The worse it was getting, the worse the cuts and et cetera. But finally, she calmed down enough to where you could begin to loosen up the strands. Some of you, maybe, God's sending somebody your way who's trying to help you, but you're fighting against it. You're only going to make things worse. Someone's praying for you. You say, who? There's one in heaven who's ever interceding. Even if we fail, he's interceding. But he's also given us the ministry of intercessory prayer. And so, yes, your church family may fail you. Somebody else might fail you, but he'll never fail you. Don't fight against him. Come to him. A brother in sin needs brothers and sisters in prayer. How about we give ourselves to that? Let's stand together here tonight. A brother in sin needs a brother in prayer. Who do you know? Who do you know? Maybe you just found out about something or somebody or someone here at the church. Someone in the Christian school you go to. Someone in your family, for that matter. Somebody in a ministry somewhere else, a missionary or a brother in sin needs a brother in prayer. God, help us to apply this tonight. While there are still things that I'm not just totally clear on, we are clear that you want us to pray. And we can have confidence in praying and we know that we're praying according to your will because you are ready to restore any who would be restored. Now we know and acknowledge that it may be someone has gone beyond and because of their willful disobedience, you're at a place where you'll deal with them differently than in grace in terms of restoration. But God, I know that you're able to restore them and I know you don't violate anybody's will, including our own. So we just want to be submissive to you here tonight and pray for those that are in need spiritually. In Jesus' name, amen.